chapter 8, but the more we get into it, the smaller the, the, uh, the study portions become. But there's, there's, a, there's a bit of rhyme to the reason of all of this and wisdom to the slowness. And that is, as you'll see today, one verse, one verse now. Before we move on to verses 29 and 30, we've got this one verse, which is one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. It is a verse that we started out last week learning that for many of us, we really did not understand what the verse actually says. That the verse actually has two qualifiers, uh, two prerequisites that must be fulfilled before that verse can be actually activated. Imagine having a Ferrari with no gas in it. What good is it? It's good for nothing. But if you put fuel in it, I guess you can go fast, right? If you put the fuel of the truth of Romans 8, 28 into your life, now it's going to work for you. It's not, listen, this is not a fortune cookie verse. This is not uh, some sort of a horoscope verse. This is not a, any kind of a just, oh, pull it out, get out of jail free kind of verse. This is a verse, the exact opposite. It demands two qualifications But the blessings that come with the qualifications are awesome. And by the way, a little bit of encouragement, all the qualifications come from the Lord himself. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You want to just read it together? All of us together? Here we go. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Father, in Jesus' name, your will be done with that verse in our lives. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You are now an expert in the points that we've been making after all of this time. We've studied about the heartbeat of heaven. That is what's in the chest of the believer, spiritually speaking. Our heart now beats with the heartbeat of heaven. We saw that there's the hope of heaven in verses 24 to 25. The hope of heaven is not some wishful thinking. It is an assured reality. God's word is given to us not to keep us in the dark, but to bring us into the light. And that is the revelation of the knowledge of the hope that Christ has provided for us at the cross. And then we saw, thirdly, the help of heaven. None other than the Holy Spirit himself is the believer's help. How cool is that? The Holy Spirit himself. That's why, listen, that's why uh, you don't need an angel to help you through the day. Let's, let's, let's be blunt. You don't need a positive confession to get you through the days. There's nothing wrong with having a positive attitude. But you don't need a drink either to get you through to the end of the day. You don't need a pill. Frankly, listen. If you fell out of an airplane and landed on a deserted island and you were all alone, and you felt lonely. I would understand the feeling, but if you picked up the Bible, you would learn from Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit is with you on that deserted island. If you found yourself right now, or maybe you do find yourself right now in some foreign country in the world, and you're having to go through this Bible study as it were in a closet or under a blanket hiding, Because you have no freedom. Know this. The Holy Spirit is with you to help you all the way through to life. It's God the Holy Spirit who's the help of heaven. And then fourthly, and this is where we've been studying. We're looking at verses 28 to 30, but we're focused on verse 28, and that is the host of heaven. 
And when we talk about the host of heaven, remember we're talking about the power of God from heaven. He's the Lord of hosts, the Bible says. And we opened up last time with this. Heaven is working for us, church. Remember that if if you have your note taking. We saw these truths to be very self-evident. In verse 28, it says, and we know. And we really stressed the word know. And we showed you the meaning of the word in Greek and Hebrew from the Bible, what the word know means. And if you remember, and again, your notes should reflect this, that the word here in Greek in Romans 8, 28, is the word edu. And the word means in the past. Now we have seen. It's all past tense. Now we have perceived. It means to now have experienced Or now we have the knowledge of, to be witness to, to be able to testify, I love this, to be able to be testified of having come to know. In other words, Romans 8.28, when it says, and we know, we could say it this way, and we all have a testimony. Because we're Christians, we're Christ followers and we know it, and he delivered us from a previous life, this is what we can say. We have a testimony. And that word, word goes on to mean that we have come to discover, which that word launched us right into a very key uh, Hebrew word, and that is the Hebrew word yada, and that is the word discover. I asked Wednesday night with you, uh, before we came out on stage, I asked the consulate general of Israel, uh, can you read to me this portion of Hebrews, uh, or excuse me, Psalms 46.10, uh, just to make sure, is it still there in the Hebrew Bible that the word know, be still and know that I am God, is the Hebrew word yada? And he said, yes. He opened up his Hebrew Bible and he said, it's the word to discover. And I said, is this correct? That yada is to discover that I'm God in the middle of life's situations. And he says, that's exactly what it means. Your Bible from Old to New Testament wants you to know God in the situation that you're living in. And then we saw that the word things that the Bible tells us here that, and we know that all things, that word things is that Greek word tauta, which means the very experience. Every single one of you right now here, or those of you watching, are going through an experience of life right now. You may even be a non-Christian, and you're going through life's experience. That means something's got your attention, It's either happy, joyful, painful, miserable. doesn't matter what it is. According to the Bible, God wants you, the non-believer, to come to faith in Christ, and he'll take that pain, that sorrow, and he'll convert that destruction into an absolute discovery moment that God is in it. And he's working toward you to get your attention. Now, for the believer, God is in our problems And we are discovering that he's got a great plan in all of the pain and all of the stuff we're going through right now in life. I want to read you a quote. I've got several quotes today that if I'm true to the time, you'll get them all. And the first one is from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. If you ever buy anything from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, you'll be making a great investment. He's now in heaven, which is awesome, because he can't change his mind. He was a great pastor in London, England. Tremendous man of God. Listen to this. He says, It is to be noted that our text begins with a conjunction. This means that the truth of this section is linked with what has already been set forth. That means the previous verses of chapter 8. 
As we have seen, the Holy Spirit dwells within the believer and makes intercession for him according to the will of God. Thus, God's Holy Spirit is directing each believer according to a predetermined and definite, defined plan. Say amen to that. That is so true. That's 100% true. Be still and discover that I'm God. That should be all of our marching verse for this life of ours in Psalm 46.10. Very, very powerful. I want to give you another quote, and it's this by Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. By the way, you can listen to Dr. Barnhouse on YouTube. He's a long time gone. He's safe to listen to also because he's dead too, and he's not going to change his mind or go woke. He's safe to listen to. Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse said, all things work together for the good. Even, watch this, even the fall of Lucifer in eternity past was for the greater purposes of God to establish good. Now stop right there. Have you ever had somebody say to you, questioning the nature of your God, if your God's so good, then why do he make the devil? You ever heard people say that? If God's so good, then why did Adam and Eve sin? We've all had people ask us this. Listen to what Barnhouse's answer is. When he says, uh, picking it up, uh, a great question there in the middle. A great question does arise here. Did God create Lucifer or did God create Satan? Mm, I'm going to pause for effect. I like that. The answer is, God created Lucifer. It was Lucifer who chose to become Satan by the choice he made. That is brilliant. Take a picture of that. That's incredible. Our God can only do good. Well, then what about Satan? Satan wasn't Satan. Satan started out as Lucifer. Lucifer was created by God. Technically, the book of Colossians and the book of Hebrews says that the angels, including Lucifer, was created by Jesus Christ himself. Well, then what? Then God made evil. Nope. What a free moral agent does with their liberty and freedom is on them. That's how you can have true worship. By the way, we had true worship a moment ago. I hope you were getting into that because that was sweet stuff. God was blessed. And when that happens, I mean, I can sense it, man. When God is being ministered to, I get ministered to before I even get out of here. Love, worship, choice has been built into free moral agency. And we know that angels have free moral agency. And of course, we do as well, obviously. But what a tremendous statement. I love the fact that Lucifer chose to become Satan. In other words, he fell. Psalm 139, it's a long one. Psalm 139, I'll start in verse 1. I just, this is all arguing that heaven is working for us, church. Psalm 139, verse 1 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Oh, that's nice. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways, for there is not a word in my, on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me. Oh, I love it. Think about God giving you a big squeeze, a big hug. You have hedged me behind and before. You laid your right hand upon me, or your hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Awesome. Verse 8. And if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. Have you ever been depressed? You should write this down and put it on your mirror or whatever it takes. Verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. What's the answer to that? Even the light shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. What does that mean? That means that the fact that heaven is working in us and through us and with us, that there's no place that you, the believer, can go without God's presence being there to comfort you. The promises of Jesus to send the Holy Spirit into our lives and to guarantee at least two very wonderful things. That is our salvation. Yes, your salvation is guaranteed if you know where to look in the Bible, if you know to apply it, that God keeps his word. And secondly is our sanctification. In other words, God is the one who is at work to make sure that after you said yes to Jesus, that every day for the rest of your life, you make it to heaven. That's God's business. I'd love that. Well, if it's your business, God, what am I supposed to do? Cooperate. (laughs) There used to be a, well, I don't know if I shouldn't say it that way. There used to be a song that somebody used to sing, Mary Rice Hopkins. Anybody might remember from a long time ago, she used to sing children's songs, and she had a song about cooperating with God, and she was calling all the kids to be a coopasaurus. Because, <laughs> you know, kids love dinosaurs. So she, she invented a coopasaurus. And God is saying to us, why don't you be a coopasaurus? Why don't you cooperate with me? That's all I'm asking you to do is for you to obey me. That's why Jesus said, if you obey me, you love me. And if you know God, it's like, awesome, then tell me what to do. If you don't know God, it's like, "Uh uh-oh, what are you going to tell me to do? Oh, listen, when you know God, it's like, tell me more. Because what he has to say is awesome, and it's wonderful, and it's edifying, and it's life. I want to give you some of these uh, guarantees. John 14, verse 16, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. That is the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you for how long? I'm going to say it again. For how long? The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The security of the believer God wants you to know that the Spirit of God is with you all the way through into eternity. John 16, verse 12. Jesus said just before he went back to heaven, he he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, notice, personal pronoun, he. It's not an it. May the force be with you. How about with you? Not, Not me. I want him. You can have it. That's the force. I'll take him. He's the person. That's who I want. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Is that awesome? And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. If any of you have ever struggled with the Trinity, you should not struggle any longer after reading that passage. There they are. One God manifested in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is speaking, and it's including the Father and the Son. Remarkable. And notice, all of that description applies to the eternal one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. See, if the Holy Spirit is an it, you can't grieve an it. You can go outside and yell at a fire hydrant all you want. It's not going to get upset. You can scream and kick your car. I, saw, I actually saw that going on last night. Um, we were leaving the concert, the wonderful Christmas concert that was here this weekend. What an amazing job this incredible church did. Wow. John Burroughs and his work and his wonderful performers. It was incredible. But on the way home, there was... Uh, a guy pushing his Tesla. I've never seen this before. The battery was so dead, he didn't even have emergency blinkers on. And he was pushing it. And, um, and we prayed for him. <laughs> Why did I say? Oh, because he was grieved. He was grieved that his battery ran out. He was grieved. You can Listen, he, he might have been grieved at his battery being out, but uh, you, you could call that car all kinds of names you want. It's not going to hurt its feelings. You can only grieve a person. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. Here's that security. For the day of redemption. God's going to keep his words, friend. Amen. And then Galatians 4.19 says, My little children, I love that, my kiddos, for whom I, that's Paul the Apostle speaking, labor and birth again until Christ is formed in you. That is your sanctification. God is at work. And so in Romans 8, 28, it says, for we know that all things work together for good. The word work here, mark it down, it's the word ergon. And it means actions, behaviors, deeds, our doings. That's what's around us. The word can also be translated regarding the designer that it's crafted, a craftsman using the tools to create or to finish his thoughts, to bring his thoughts into existence, a designer. That's, that, listen, that's a God attribute, friends, and that's what you and I have been given by God. You, remarkably, can take a thought that is invisible, and you can either write it down, or you can speak it, or you can shape it, form it, craft it, sculpt it. Think about this. We don't think about this enough. That is because you are an extension of the creative powers of God who said concerning you, the human being, I've made you in my own image. That's why you're creative. Now you might say, well, I don't have a creative bone in my body, Pastor Jack. You've got something else. There's evidence within you that God is real and that he has put his thumbprint on your life. You need to respond to him. 
This word work implies that all things are, listen, activated. What all things? Everything activated. And when the word of God, listen, when the word of God is applied to your life in your day-to-day living, it will grab you every day. What's tomorrow? Monday. Monday. I hope all of you are going to work tomorrow in this day and age. You know, I don't know. Do people even go to work anymore? <laughs> Seems like there's a shortage of workers everywhere. But let's, let's hope you're all going to work tomorrow. I'm not. Tomorrow's my, tomorrow's my day off today. But here's, here's the deal. If you go to work tomorrow, uh, whatever's going on in your life, remember from the moment you wake up, the Holy Spirit's desire is to activate all things to be at work in your life for God's good. I want to show you a clip. We, uh, you're going to recognize uh, Easy Zwayne. This is part of his great show that is just is millions of views. But uh, it's the Bible Bee. And I, and I want you to listen carefully. Please, everybody, don't clap or anything. Just hear it all the way out, okay? And um, think about this word, work, and the Holy Spirit activating God's word in your life on a day-to-day basis in every situation. This is great. This is an important question right here. Okay, you guys ready? Yeah. One of you is going to get it. Here we go. All right, here's your last passage. Both riches and honor come... Madison. First Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. Sorry, that is incorrect. For the rest of you. Bethany. Oh, First Chronicles 29, 10 through 13. That is correct. Please recite it. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 13. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou. The Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatest and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine thine is the kingdom O Lord and thou art exalted as head above all both riches and honor come of thee and thou reignest over all And in thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 13. Bethany, bring us into your heart and mind. What was going on there? I just realized how powerful and in control God is and how everything is just because of him and he's so great and amazing. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the way the word of God should impact us. Praise God. That's awesome. That's what this is all about. Pretty amazing, right? 
Do you have a dry eye, anybody? You know, there's two different ways that we come <laughs> we to know pause. the Word of God. We can pause here. One is intellectually. You guys, was that precious or what? Oh my gosh. That's exactly what we're talking about. The Word of God possessing you. That the things in life that happen to us are guaranteed to turn out for the good. The cancer, the hurt, the broken relationship, everything that seems to be a curveball coming your way, according to the Bible, God says to his children, I've got this. I am working this out. But God, I don't understand. That's the walk of life. That is the walk of faith. We don't understand. We're not supposed to understand. If we understood everything, we would be God. Number two, if we understood everything, there'd be no need for faith. You must know his nature to be able to have a response like that. That little girl, that teenager, know his, knows his nature. Well, she also clearly knows the Bible. <laughs> the work implies, as I said, that all things are activated. From that, we get our perspective. You might want to write this down, if you would, that... There is one, the good things, and two, the bad things. But from God's perspective, there is only the one good things. See, that sounds odd. Yes, listen, number one, there's the good things. Number two, there are the bad things. But according to God's math, in fact, watch this. God's math is this way. One plus two, that's the good and the bad, equals one. That's God's math. Good stuff, bad stuff, equal the same to me in your life, Jack. The good and the bad that you judge, I put it all together in one fantastic recipe to deliver to you into your life, custom made. No one else will ever live and do, and I won't expect anything else from anybody else but you, what I give you to do. And that goes for every single Believer, and the number one thing is, is, is to know this. You are so secure in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has sealed you into the day of redemption, that you are the child of God, and that we don't need to tiptoe around this world as though we're some sort of weakling. It's the exact opposite. It is the Christian that has the answer. It's the Christian that says one plus two equals one with God. It's all him at work. The pain, take the pain. Somebody, I hope, will take this and the moment of grief that you're going through and say, that's it. I'm giving my gut-wrenching, life-threatening pain, be it physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, and I'm giving it to God. He has put his seal upon me. You say, what do you mean by that seal? That means this, in the midst of your pain, I'm not asking you of your opinion about God. I'm asking you in the midst of your pain, are you aware of God? Did you hear me? I'm not asking if you approve of the way you think things are going. That's irrelevant. I'm asking you, in your pain, are you aware of God? If you could walk away and say, now I know there is no God, and have no hook on your heart whatsoever, then you do not know God. But if you're struggling and warring and battling and crying and kicking... His message to you today is this, one plus two, the good and the bad equals good because I am your God. That's who he is. James chapter one, verse two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, 
Notice it's trials, not temptations. It's a big difference. When you go to Joe's Bar and Grill, where they, because you, you're thirsty and they have strippers there, don't say, oh man, God, what's God doing to me? That's you doing that to yourself. You placed yourself in a, in a uh, temptation, horrible situation. You run, you're supposed to flee from that. But when stuff happens to you that you did not engineer, those are called trials. With all due respect, they're God sent. You mean that, was, that guy pushing his Tesla? Well, if the guy was a Christian, listen, if the guy was a Christian, then that's a God sent trial. If he was not a Christian, then he's going to be tempted to cuss out his Tesla. You see? There's a difference. That's why the Christian can rejoice in all situations. We have a friend years ago, 30 years ago, taught us. He goes, I'm so tired of people always saying, oh, good luck. He was in the, he was in the performance industry. And people would say, good luck. He was a believer. He'd say, I'm so sick of hearing that. Because believers don't talk like that. Good luck to you. Good luck on your sermon. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like the Hebrew language has no word for a coincidence because God's real. It's impossible to have a coincidence. And so uh, this, this whole thing regarding happenstance or accident, that when in life things happen it's not an accident it's not luck and so Lisa and I started saying he, he taught it to us he said I'll just counter back to people and say well may the luck of the Lord be with you too <laughs> isn't that a great line the luck of the Lord be with you which of course is a joke but it's kind of funny if you think about it it's either God or it's luck it's either a God or a rabbit's foot pick one I got news for you. Pick God, you won't need a rabbit's foot. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 says, And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is the internal life of the true believer in God, by the way. This describes every single one of us to some level of degree. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those, best word to remember, listen, you've heard this, it's, it's perfectly accurate. You've heard it a thousand times, but uh, when you're teaching Sunday school, you tell the kids, blessed are the meek. And you take a dash and you put a dash between the two E's. Blessed are the meek. The meek, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who have a proper view of themselves. I, I can't, I'm nothing. I can't save myself. God says, you're blessed if you know that. Blessed are the meek, he says. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely 
for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, most of us don't even have a clue as to the application of all of that, but just know this. You can write in your margins. Number one, that is the internal description of the believer, and each of us have certain levels of this in operation in our lives in some way, shape, or form as we follow Jesus, okay? The more, by, by the way, heads up, the more you follow Jesus and the closer you press into Jesus, the more true that truth becomes in your life. Why? The word is activated as you draw close to him. And uh, listen, I've not, I have not been a Christian to the point where I've had to resist evil by shedding my own blood. I haven't been, uh, you know, I haven't had my throat slit or whatever. There's people that are going through that. There's people that are being burned to death every Sunday in the world, every Sunday. For the last 2,000 years, Christians find themselves on Sundays, somewhere in the world, being killed in church services for being Christians. Africa right now, North Africa, is the danger zone for Christians gathering, and yet they, go, they gather. The families dress up, they walk to church, knowing that Muslim extremists just might target their church this Sunday. And they go anyway. Would you do that? Would, listen, if, if this church was under attack, would you still show up next week to worship God? Don't say yes, because you don't know. Honestly, don't even say yes. In Africa, the church is all they have. They understand that to depart from this world is to enter his world. To be absent from this body is to be present with him. Heaven's a reality. We don't wish, we don't pretend about it. It's a reality. Persecution. We live in a weird age, a weird time right now. Um, Persecution's rising in America. We see that's going to increase. I'm not a prophet. I just know my Bible. It's going to increase. It's going to increase in California. It's going to increase in your town or your city. It's going to increase in New York. It's going to increase. It has to increase. Because Jesus said, if you walk with me, if you speak like I do, if you stand with me, you're going to be hated. But he said, don't get a big hate. Well, I'm, I'm adding this part. He's, he, he said, don't, don't worry about it because they hated me before they will ever hate you. Translation, don't get a big head about it if you're persecuted. It's just because somebody uh, mistake, mistook you for me. <laughs> Jesus is saying, you live like me, you're going to be hated. Isn't that amazing? The, the very one the world needs right now, honestly, if Jesus just popped onto the world scene, do you know what he would do? He would be able to bring peace to Africa, peace to Gaza, peace to Israel. He'd bring peace to uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> He'd be, think about it. That's a fact. But do you know what would happen if Jesus showed up today? The world would crucify him again. They'd kill him again. You know why? Because the same one that brings peace, forgiveness, and love is the same one that says, you shouldn't do that. That's wrong. You need to choose between following your father, the devil, or my father in heaven. You got to choose, and they'll kill him for it. And they'll do it again, but because he's not here, they'll kill you. Now, this is a joke. I mean, I'm not joking, but to equate this is, a, is ridiculous. So my Facebook, it's personal. That, my Facebook is private. It's not church property. 
you understand that? The church has their own Facebook. On my Facebook, I get to say whatever I want to say. Amen. It's my Facebook. It's, and so I put whatever I want to put on there. And so I put something on there, and I put on our, our Wednesday night service that we had here. If you were not here Wednesday night, wherever you were at, you were in the wrong place. <laughs> it was incredible. And so I got all of these hate posts and hate, mar- hate uh, things about... Uh, and then people started telling me about what I believe. Is that amazing? Do they call me to ask me if that's what I believe? And then some, I'm not even going to mention their name. Some news agency, three days ago, slammed me publicly on national news. And then something else pops up. And then they want to interview from me about contributing to their article about what they're doing about somebody else. How's that? There's no equation. I'm not dying for my faith, but I will tell you this. When you don't waver on what you believe in, people are going to say things about you. Friends, my dear young friends, suck it up. (laughs) Don't worry. Stop worrying about what people, oh my gosh, somebody canceled me. That's probably a badge of honor. Find out who it was. It's probably a good thing. If Satan cancels you, that would be a good day. Stop worrying about what people feel and think about you. And by the way, everybody, we all need this one. Don't respond to people that criticize you in your comments, be it personal or on social media. You want to know why? If you respond to them, now you open yourself wide up. And the Bible says, never answer a fool in their folly. How's that? Isn't it awesome that the eternal God knew that the internet was coming? And social media... And he says, when a dum-dum says something about you, don't answer back lest you become a dum-dum with them. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't respond. And here's the thing. You say, yeah, but I got a good answer for them. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because you could give them the very word of God in print verbatim, and they won't accept it. Don't let that stuff bind you up. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. The fear of man keeps your mouth shut. Don't be like that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. For consider him, that's Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Listen to this. I call this a preamble. It's two passages. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 7. But watch how it's broken up. The preamble is this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away. Mm. Reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God. Say amen, people. You're being kept by the power of God, not your good works. He's doing it. Through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the preamble. Next passage, watch this. In this, here's the response. In this, what? Verses 1 through 5. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. 
that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. Oh my goodness, that's fantastic. Beautiful. God is at work, friends. And the Bible tells us that it says all things work together for good. And that word together is an interesting word. It's a powerful word. Sun irgeo. Sun irgeo. The word means working together toward the center. So from the outer to the inner. To start from the outer limits to move continually inward toward the center. Or point of contact. According to God, all things are working from the outside in to where, watch, outside, think, really, think outside the, this room, then in the room, then down your aisle, near your seat, up against your skin, in your heart. That's why the world is out there as it is, fallen, broken, hurting. Yes, God's using it. God is not subject and victimized by the world that has fallen. God is literally restoring and he's transforming and he takes that which is broken and he even makes it to work for good. Listen, you and I cannot, am I getting excited? I'm so, let me calm down. The, the worst of the worst that the world can do. And Satan rubs his filthy little nails together in hell saying, I got him now. Look at all those Christians running, panicking, freaking out. And then the spirit of God breathes a breath of reminder upon us. And we can feel, as it were, those blow up clowns or dinosaurs that you plug in in the Air fills them up. The Christian that is all defeated and put down, God begins to blow the wind of the Spirit into your life and you begin to get filled up. And you're standing there under the power of someone else who is the Holy Spirit against the forces of hell itself, which is impossible, but God. Absolutely wonderful. The Bible tells us in Psalm 23, verse 5, you, that is the Lord, anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Uh, real quick on this. You will know that verse, 23rd Psalm. Oh, that's so, I have a plaque on my home with the 23rd Psalm. Who doesn't? Everybody does. I think I have 523rd Psalms that have been given to me over the years. They never get old, though. The Lord anoints my head. The word anoint, listen, he takes the oil, the shepherd had oil, and the oil was olive oil with various um, herbs crushed into the olive oil, and when, when, when sheep were um, beat up, skinned up, going through thickets, getting hurt, could be bleeding, could be whatever, you know what he would do? He would pour the oil on the sheep's head, the shepherd, doesn't this sound great? And he's rubbing the medicinal oil into the sheep's head and maybe onto the ears. And that, can you imagine that sheep just. <laughs> Why does God say this stuff to us? Because he does this stuff to us. 
all things work. How about this? Work it in together. Can you think of it that way? Because the word together actually means to work in the dye, to work the dye into the wool, to work the, the stain or the dye into the fabric. What a beautiful thing that is. And here's the qualifier to those who love God. Do you love God, friend? Listen, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Do you love him? We talked about the challenge of that and how we say we love him and we do love him, but as soon as we say we love him, we feel so deficient in our love for him. To those who love God is the first qualifier, and the second qualifier is to those who are called. So what does that mean, called? Well, I mean, you can basically think of it as, have you gotten a call lately from God? Are you invited Did God invite you? Have you ever heard God say to you, and this is, is, listen, we're starting to end. That doesn't mean you're leaving. It just means we're ending soon, sometime, in the near future. Can you honestly, with integrity to yourself, without anybody knowing, can you honestly say, there was a time in my life, or maybe it's even today, when God is saying, do this. And you are going to be Lord of your life or he is. You're going to have to choose. And I'm going to ask you to bow your head right now. And let's pray together right now. Father, I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that Father God, that you would move in the midst of this place and Lord, that you would be calling those who you know before time ever began that are the called. They don't know it yet to identify, to become associated with the Christ, Jesus, Yeshua, who died on the cross as the sacrificial Passover lamb for time and eternity, the one who, when Moses had them slay the little lamb for each of the homes in Egypt, was a prototype of he who would die for the sins of not only the nation of Israel, but to all those who would come to believe. Christ, the Messiah, as Isaiah said, the Savior of the world. And so, Father God, we pray that today we would be waking up some of us here to the fact that it's you calling us. And friend, as we start this song right now, I'm going to ask you to be honest. Have you ever publicly accepted Christ? That means you may believe in Jesus, but does anybody else know that you believe in Jesus? The Bible says, Jesus said, if you do not acknowledge me before other people, I will not acknowledge you before my Father. Why? Is it an earned thing? Is that a a bit of works? Nope. It's to dispel any temptation of shame. Are you ashamed of Jesus? Then stay seated. But if today you're saying, he's my Christ, he's my Lord, he's my Savior, and I want to make him my Redeemer forever, I want to have my sins forgiven and my life given eternal life, and I want to start all over today, I want to start life all over. As we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come forward and just stand right here at the base of these seats up front here, and I'm going to pray with you in the end. But let's sing this song. Remain in an attitude of prayer, everybody. Christians be praying. And I don't want anybody moving around. You could distract someone who's on the brink of making an eternal decision. If God is saying, you need to do this, my friend, I beg of you, obey him. To obey him is life.